To Holly Cliff, it made sense that she would see something strange in that one particular room of the historic and iconic building in downtown Tampa. It is, after all, a painstakingly replicated representation of just how the room looked when it was originally constructed in the 1890s. Photographs placed strategically around the room show that the furniture and wall art are meticulously placed exactly where they would have been when tourists from all over the country travel by rail to visit this growing port city on Florida's west coast. But Holly, who says she wasn't looking for a paranormal encounter that day, was surprised at just how vivid her experience was in that room. And she wasn't the only one who saw the well-dressed man through the opulent wood-framed mirror that towers over one wall of the room. Those with her said they too saw him as they looked past their own reflections and watched him walk through the doorway, head to the back of the room, and then seemingly disappear through the wall. They all agreed that it could not have been an employee nor an actor portraying a historic figure. No. They were all sure that what they saw was a residual spirit still enjoying the gentleman's reading and writing room in what used to be the Tampa Bay Hotel. Today, it's home to the beautiful and reportedly very haunted Henry Plant Museum on the campus of the University of Tampa. I'm Steve Blanchard. Welcome to Phantom History. The iconic spires of what is today referred to as Plant Hall on the University of Tampa campus in downtown Tampa, Florida, rest upon a structure with a history that has left a footprint equal to the nearly quarter-mile building they rest upon. Seen from nearly every vantage point of Tampa, the spires remind residents and visitors of the city's opulent past and railroad magnate Henry Plant's desire to offer the wealthy of the North a seasonal getaway in the subtropical climate of Florida during the winter months. Local historians credit Plant with the transformation of Tampa from a sleeping fishing village to what would eventually become a vibrant city of the 21st century. Lindsay Huben, Membership Museum Relations and Operations Manager of the museum, explains. So the building opened as the Tampa Bay Hotel in 1891. It ran as a hotel all the way until 1932. Uh, during that time period, it was sort of a winter playground for the wealthy and famous of the world, really. Uh, we had Tampa's first performing arts center here. There was, um, you know, a baseball diamond and tennis courts and a dining room that could seat 800 people. This really was a social center for the city of Tampa from about 1891 going into the 20th century. Uh, in 1932, the hotel closed and the University of Tampa moved in in 1933, and that's the year the museum opened. We opened as the Tampa Municipal Museum, and we've been here ever since. Since it opened, the museum has worked to preserve the environment, look, and feel of the original Tampa Bay Hotel that Henry Plant worked so hard to build. Plant collected objects from around the world to put on display in his hotel, and some of those objects still remain. One in particular, a large mirror on the south wall of the men's reading and writing room, is where Holly Cliff encountered someone, or something, she can't really explain. Well, my family always came for the annual uh, Victorian Christmas stroll, and this was about 15 years ago. 
uh, we came to the museum just as guests and we happened to go into the reading and writing room. And there was another museum guest in there with us at that time. We were all looking at the big Christmas display by the um, mirror on the south side of the room. And so in the mirror's reflection, so behind us, we see a gentleman in a top hat and a dark suit enter the room really quickly and go to the other side. And turning around, we all were like very surprised to see there was no one else in the room. And the guest that was there, I mean, she exclaimed like, where did he go? And we all said, you saw it too? We were very, very surprised. And she said, maybe it's one of the carolers because they have Christmas carolers that perform most of the nights there. And maybe he knows a secret way out. Well, the carolers were wearing red bow ties and red vests that night, and the only other entrance was completely blocked off by another display. So the only way in and out, he would have had to have walked right back past us again, and that didn't happen. So we were very surprised at where he may have gone. In the room across the hall, my mom noticed as we were leaving that there was a display of antique toys, including a Ouija board. And so we always wondered if that was you know, why we saw him or if it had anything to do with it. Holly, nor anyone who was with her that evening, ever saw the unidentified man again. She's not sure of the man's identity either, but Lindsay isn't surprised that something paranormal manifested itself in that room specifically. Well, the, uh, the reading and writing room is our most authentic room in the museum. Um, in there, we have black and white photographs sitting on chairs, and you can see it looks exactly the same, the same furniture in the same places. So if there was someone tied to a specific object, it would make sense that it could be in there because those are the authentic pieces in the same space. Local paranormal investigator and self-described sensitive, Mickey Strange says that she and her group, the Tampa Bay Spirits, visited the Henry Plant Museum during the holidays of 2015. The visit was not an investigation and was more of a group outing, she says, but an experience she had while in the building is eerily similar to what Holly reported seeing years earlier during the same time of year. When I first walked in, uh, we were sitting out on the porch enjoying that whole atmosphere because, as you know, we also have sensitives. Um, so some of us could feel people sitting on the porch. So we enjoyed that. We took our time and soaked it up. And when I went in, I said, I went to the restroom. I went in and turned to the right and I saw a man in a tuxedo walking down the hall. Um, I would say probably dark hair, um, maybe about five, eight, five, nine. And um, yeah, not older. He'd probably, I would say the latest he would be would be in his mid thirties. So I would say between middle or late 20s mid 30s and just walking oblivious to me down the hall to the right after the entrance like you're going to i think the the ballroom is over there and uh surprised me but i watched him for a while nothing really surprises me anymore but i watched him for a while he was a full figure um kind of transparent for me but enough that i could see the suit I could see uh, the color of his hair. I didn't, I don't remember seeing a top hat. He might have had something in his hand, but he walked for quite a distance, which surprised me. And then he was gone. And um, I, you know, a person that we had on the team at the time was kind of leading me to say, oh, maybe I saw Henry, Pl he was not plant. I've seen the pictures. I, 
the closest that I could come to uh, recognition was um, one of the writers that's from there, a young man that was a writer. Detailing exactly who the entity is that Mickey encountered may take a bit more research. And determining if it is the same entity spotted by Holly would need more investigation. Like hotels today, the Tampa Bay Hotel saw countless guests walk over its threshold. Many were from the Northeast, but visitors would come from around the world to enjoy the luxury offered at the hotel in the months where a majority of the country was feeling cold or even freezing temperatures. But it wasn't only people who came into the hotel. Objects from throughout Europe and beyond were also brought in to serve as decor. Lindsay describes the impact Henry Plant had on Tampa and why he felt the need to bring so many exotic things into his hotel. Henry Plant built a rail line into Tampa. Uh, after the Civil War, Tampa was a, was a tiny little fishing village. I mean, there were 720 people living here. By the time Henry Plant opened the hotel, the population had soared to 15,000. So really, this is where the story of Tampa starts, is with this building. So Plant builds the rail line into town, develops this hotel. It was one of uh, eight hotels throughout the state of Florida that Plant owned. And this is the only one that's still standing today. Here in the museum, we have a lot of the original artwork and architecture and furniture from that 1890s time period. So we have the authentic pieces in their original building, which is which is really amazing. You don't see that anywhere else. You know, I will tell you, this is definitely a, a creepy place to be after dark by yourself. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, any, any old building is going to have its share of stories and kind of strange occurrences. Uh, with some of our pieces, a lot of it was, was really just hotel art. It was things that Henry and Margaret Plant purchased on buying expeditions just to fill up space. The building's a quarter of a mile from one end to the other and had 511 hotel rooms, so you needed a lot of stuff. So is the lingering presence of the hotel's long line of guests that make the Plant Museum so active? Or is it the numerous objects lining almost every single wall of the wing of the old hotel dedicated to Henry Plant and his legacy? Lindsay admits that she isn't sure, but she knows that many people have experienced different phenomena that are best described as paranormal within the building. And the museum is always happy to hear first-hand accounts of those encounters from the visitors themselves. Um, well, we always want to hear it from the guests themselves, and uh, this is a story I actually heard it from a couple of my coworkers because Holly has been here for so long um, that uh, this is, you know, it, it just kind of comes down through the ranks. Uh, so when someone says something like that, you know, if we if we know something about a particular artifact in the room, or if we can get a, a really clear description, you know, we we may be able to do some research in our archives and see what we can find out. But unfortunately, only four guest registers remain from the Tampa Bay Hotel from that 40-year time period, so a lot of the information has been lost over the years. While it is true that the Tampa Bay Hotel has a lot of positive significance in Tampa, it does have its share of tragedy as well. In its heyday, it was a place for the rich, powerful, and famous. And while many of those people were the envy of the working class, not all of them led perfect lives. One story in particular stands out to Lindsay. 
So in the 19-teens, uh, there's an article that appears in the New York Times about the Tampa Bay Hotel and about a double suicide that took place here in the hotel. Uh, it was a married couple who had run out of funds, were unable to pay their bills, and decided that that was the best way out. This was a place, like I said, for the wealthy and famous of the time period. So, you know, rooms would have started at $5 a night, which doesn't sound like much to us, but someone working here like a, um, the head gardener or the head waiter would have been earning 40 to 60 cents per day. So when you think about it in those terms, it's two weeks pay for one night at the hotel. And because transportation wasn't what it is now and it took you four days to get here from New York, you weren't staying for one night. You were staying for multiple weeks or maybe the whole season. Guests who have experienced something strange in the building are usually happy to share stories or participate in some of the spirit-themed events at the hotel each fall. But I asked Lindsay if she had any experiences she had difficulty explaining during her time working in the museum. Not surprisingly, she did have a story of her own to share. About a year ago, I was here, I get here early, so I was here in the morning before anybody else and I, I was walking up and down the hallway turning on lights and things and one of the clocks started chiming. And it really kind of freaked me out a little bit because it had not been wound, it doesn't normally chime, it doesn't normally run, and it, it's a very kind of delicate little tinkling sound. And um, I, <laughs> I won't lie, I went outside and locked the door and called my brother and said, there's a ghost trying to get me. I'm not going back in until someone else gets here. And I stood outside for 20 minutes and waited. And then when my coworkers got here, came back in and the clock didn't chime. And it occasionally chimes in the morning when I'm here by myself, but somebody is saying hello. Of course, it's unknown who or what has used the clock to communicate with Lindsay. But it's not unheard of that an object can hold residual energy. Mickey has experienced the phenomenon before and wouldn't be surprised if some of the artifacts still housed in the Henry Plant Museum have a connection to the energy of the past. Absolutely. Um, I'm not into psychometry because I didn't feel that that was particularly one of my skills. But I have had people hand me something and I would tell them something and I've been accurate before. It's not something I practice. Um, and I noticed, even before I knew why I was doing it, I go into sites, I'll touch trees, I'll touch the walls, I'll, I touch things. I do believe, especially if it's with someone that's had some kind of uh, heightened emotion, it does carry a little bit of an imprint. Could that explain the unwound clock chiming for Lindsay in the morning? Is the large mirror where Holly saw the well-dressed man in the top hat connected to the stress and emotions of exhausted guests, or maybe even the military presence that was at the building during the Cuban War? The building that houses the Henry Plant Museum is massive. Its footprint, remember, covers a quarter of a mile. That, coupled with the history of the building, could mean that there are many more entities still residing in Plant Hall and throughout the surrounding land. There's a huge military history there. Huge. Um, you know, with the railroad, him bringing the railroad in, uh, the Gamble Mansion, the Gambles were instrumental in bringing it into that area. Um, and also the type of farming that they did, the sugarcane farming that they did. Um, and plant as well. And one of his ways of selling it was saying that the military 
you know, could use the services there. It brought people there. Um, so I'm sure if we had the opportunity to really investigate that place, you're going to get some military influence there. Being such a massive building, there are plenty of areas to investigate and many stories of strange sightings and sounds that just can't be explained. Are they just the effects of a century-old large building settling into its footprint in downtown Tampa? Or is it something more? For Holly Cliff, who saw the man in the reflection of the antique mirror, it's definitely something more. I have seen a few odd things, I mean, over my lifetime, but that's the only odd thing I've seen here in this building. I, I'm just, I guess I'm open to things. I'm not looking for things to happen. I'm, I definitely believe the ghosts are out there. Thank you to Holly Cliff for sharing her experience for this episode of Phantom History. And thank you to Henry Plant Museum Membership, Museum Relations, and Operations Manager Lindsay Hubin and Paranormal Investigator Mickey Strange for their interviews. If you would like more information on the museum or want to participate in one of its special events, visit them online at plantmuseum.com. And if you have an area that you would like investigated, research the Tampa Bay Spirits at Tampa Bay Spirits on Facebook or tampabayspirits.com. For photos of the museum and of the interview, visit phantomhistory.com or follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And as always, please leave me a review on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. If you have a haunted location you'd like to see featured on this podcast, email podcast at phantomhistory.com. And as always, thank you for listening.